How do you help them to be brave enough to deal with it every day, to do the tasks that they need to do in order to stay healthy? There's no break. Diabetes adds a sense of maturity. You have to grow up faster than everybody else. You have to be more responsible than everybody else your age. I always tell people, yes, you have diabetes, but diabetes doesn't have to have you. Those are the voices of Vincent Maltese, Margaret Pelizzari, and Dr. Allison Myers. Each has stories to tell and wisdom to share about diagnosing and managing diabetes. Hi, I'm David North, and this is Health Story. Vincent Maltese, Vinny, of Wonton, New York, is 18 years old and an undergraduate at Villanova University. His experience with diabetes began at age 13. He says the onset of symptoms to diagnosis was just three weeks. The first thing that we really noticed was, was my vision. So I went to the eye doctor. Um, they gave me a new prescription, just said maybe it can be growing. We don't really necessarily know. But then once you started to see all the other symptoms pop up, especially the weight loss, the extreme thirst. I remember during one period in high school, literally going to the cafeteria and buying like three water bottles just because I was just dying of thirst and being like hungry and stuff like that. Then we really were able to paint the picture pretty well. Doctors broke the news to Vinny in a hospital room on a Super Bowl Sunday. He says his diabetes-impaired vision interfered with his ability to watch the game and sidelined his thoughts about his own ambitions as a student-athlete, and about any fun times ahead in high school. It was very overwhelming the next day. Um, it's like, okay, every time you eat something, every time you go out, every time you're you know, doing anything that basically involves metabolic activity, um, you have to be aware of this. As a kid, you never really piece together these things, and you really don't expect you to have something like that. And... It was very, very overwhelming in the beginning. So it was a huge learning curve. A steep learning curve to become a sort of biochemistry expert, performing a nutrition balancing act every day to stay well and moving forward. I remember going out to dinner, bringing out scales and measuring bowls of pasta. Um, It's just a whole learning curve about basically placing numerical values on food which I've never done before. For example, if I decided to eat a bowl of cereal in the morning, I would have to know how many carbohydrates I'm eating, including the milk, including the cereal. So now you have to differentiate between what is carbs, what is fats, what is protein, which ones are gonna affect my sugar, how long are they gonna affect my sugar for. So it's a bunch of questions that you're asking and at such a young, at such a young age, you're making things that are so simple a lot more complicated. The simple thing of eating is now a 15-minute longer process for me to even start eating in the beginning. It's not like my sensor talks to my insulin pump and tells me, tells me how much insulin to give myself. At the end of the day, I have the ultimate decision on how to treat myself. Vinny was showing me how he uses a smartphone app for diabetes management when his mom, Josephine Lodico, joined us in her kitchen. Uh, uh, this is my mother, Josephine. Mom, this is uh, Dave. This is Margot Parkas. As we got acquainted, Josephine told me about a life-or-death moment she and Vinny shared in this kitchen not too long ago, when he was in high school. Vinny tells the story, but the hero is Josephine. For her ability to put her knowledge to work and keep her composure, the morning after Vinny did some drinking with friends. Around 5 o'clock in the morning, I woke up. I didn't have a sensor on, so I just woke up normally from a low blood sugar, very 
shaky, very famished, um, very weak, loss of concentration. I remember going downstairs to make myself a bowl of cereal and my mother was up because she woke up since I was low and running down the stairs and instead of just eating or drinking something like very quickly I felt like I might as well just enjoy a bowl of cereal and give myself less insulin so I tried making myself a bowl of cereal and I was so hypoglycemic that my arm started jerking and I practically started like seizuring um, I ended up passing out in my kitchen breaking my nose um, falling on the kitchen floor not having any idea what happened and um, my mom had to call the police. So literally I just picked up the phone, I was trying to multitask, get the phone, call 911 and then get him orange juice and then also get the pen to give him an injection also at the same time. The way this pen is situated is that you have to put water into the vial, shake it up, withdraw it so it's a huge hassle, it's not like an EpiPen where you just take it out and do it. So um, the process in terms of with that pen is very overwhelming, especially in a situation like that. It's, it's scary to see your son, you know, collapse in front of you, but it was already too late because his sugar was already too low. Fortunately for me, um, they got there on time. I was okay. Weird as it sounds, I was fortunate to have to deal with that, you know, problem before college. God forbid I was in college and, you know, I didn't know about the effects of alcohol and my sugar and I passed out, you know, th that's a totally different ball game. So very fortunate I was able to have these events, learn from it, and make sure that I'm prepared for any situation going forward. Forward and prepared to help others. More about that soon. Vinny's mom, Josephine, held it together while preparing and using a glucagon pen. Just another reminder that a poor but typical teen decision can have devastating consequences for someone attempting to manage diabetes. Imagine the dangers for someone with undiagnosed or misdiagnosed diabetes. Many of us are familiar with the classic symptoms described earlier by Vinny. A proper diagnosis and an individual management program can be devised by an endocrinologist. Dr. Allison Myers is Medical Director of Inpatient Diabetes at North Shore University Hospital. So these are not things that the primary care doctor usually gets training in. These sophisticated um, devices that make people's lives far much easier um, are something that typically endocrinologists are trained in. So I think that, you know, for those reasons, for good glycemic control and some of the more difficult to maintain patients, patients who've had long-standing type 2 diabetes or someone with type 1 diabetes, an endocrinologist can really help enhance the care. Dr. Myers mentioned type 2 diabetes. Here's a distinction. Type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune disease. The pancreas does not produce insulin. Type 1 diabetes affects about one and a quarter million people. In the U.S., type 1 diabetes affects about one and a quarter million people. Type 2 diabetes affects as many as 27 million Americans. Dr. Myers. So I have a lot of people say to me, what's worse, type 1 or type 2? I said it's not about which type it is, it's how well you manage it. Because I've seen type 1s who've had type 1 for 40, 50 years and have no complications. And I've also seen type 2s that long who have no complications, but I've also seen people who've had diabetes 5 or 10 years, 40 years old, coming in here with heart attacks, getting uh, dialysis. So I say it's not about what type it is, it's how well you take care of it and how well you understand it. Dr. Meyer says type 2 diabetes can be addressed by modifying diet, by use of medications, and exercise. 
An endocrinologist may also identify a condition called prediabetes, where a person's blood sugar levels lean toward type 2. Think about this. The total U.S. population is about 327 million. Prediabetes affects about 79 million Americans, many as young as age 20. Vinny and his family benefited from the guidance of Margaret Pelizari, program manager of the Pediatric Endocrinology Diabetes Education Program for Cohen Children's Medical Center. Margaret, Peggy as she's known, is a mom and also a veteran of many successful years of diabetes management. She was about Vinny's age when her type 1 diabetes was diagnosed. Diabetes affects the whole family. It's not just the person living with diabetes. Everybody in that house is going to be affected. The foods, how much food you're eating and what you're serving, what you have in your refrigerator, those kinds of things. And it's going to affect if there are siblings living in the house. And sometimes we as the providers, we're we're not going to know that stuff until we have these kinds of conversations. How are things going? How are you coping? How is the parents coping? How is the family as a unit coping with those things? Adults have a hard time managing their diabetes. How can we ever ask a child or a teenager to take on that responsibility all by themselves? They need to continue to be supported in a very positive way. We can do this as a team. Peggy says families, loved ones, and motivated individuals working with experienced doctors, caregivers, mentors, and role models are members of a winning team. Vinny's on the team. He's a five-year veteran and doing some coaching as ambassador for the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, speaking to large groups and broadcast audiences, and one-to-one with parents and children. He'll describe his role as a JDRF ambassador later in the program. First, this is Health Story. I'm David North. Vincent Maltese is 18, a resident of Wonton, New York, and a sophomore at Villanova. He's an undergraduate, but mastering diabetes management and skills to help younger people, peers, and parents. So I've had a bunch of different experiences that I never thought I'd really have. I've met incredible doctors, I've met incredible people, I've built relationships with with wonderful di- like newly diagnosed individuals who are, who are telling me that they're doing great now. And I was fortunate for all the things that I've learned and all the people that I've met. I've had parents come up to me saying, you know, my daughter is uh, eight, nine years old um, and she's not taking care of herself. She does not care about anything anymore in terms of managing disease. She eats whatever she wants. She deals with all the symptoms. You know, she complains about this and this and that, but she doesn't want any help. And like, like anything, that, that situation, that story is just so heartbreaking. When I just got diagnosed, I did that to myself as well. I mean, I went home and I was just like, why? You know, that's the first thing anybody really asks himself when dealing with any difficult situation. I said, why God, why me? You know, why do I have to deal with this? That's why I tried to be an educator, not only for parents, but mainly for kids, because those are the individuals that you have to change. You have to try to persuade them and convince them in some sort of way to manage their disease. And it can be very, very challenging. Long story short, diabetes adds a a sense of maturity. You have to grow up faster than everybody else. You have to be more responsible than everybody else your age. But once you talk with them, once you find things that they like, once you start to develop a friendship with people and they trust you, then they'll trust your words as well. 
I thought I would just be a little kid, you know, sending things in the mail and doing this and maybe saying thank you to one or two people at a fundraiser. But to see the hands-on role that I've had for this organization, it's been definitely um, fulfilling, for sure. Vinny's teammate, his mom, is also touching lives by reaching out to her peers, moms and dads. I always tell the parents, it will be okay. It's not something that you want for your child, but the technology will only get better and there will be a cure and just never give up hope. It's nice to see my son help all these little children out. It's, 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 it's welcoming to hear my mother uh, say those nice words, so thank you. Would I be pushing it to uh, compare you to a coach? <laughs> I mean, not necessarily, no. I mean, what does a coach do? A coach educates, right? They teach their players how to play, and they always want to win. And, I mean, as a diabetic, I always want to win as well. And by educating people, I want them to win and to have their own achievements and to have their own blood sugars, you know, low and A1Cs in target range. I want them to win their individual goals, fulfill their goals, and I want to fulfill mine as a coach, yeah. A note here, Vinny's coach, Peggy, would correct him. Vinny's not diabetic. He's a person with diabetes. An important distinction, as he's not his illness. And an important fact, provisions for people with diabetes are included in the Americans with Disabilities Act, one of the most significant pieces of civil rights legislation in our nation's history. Look into it. Diabetes is a medical condition managed with more confidence and control each day by millions of people as knowledge expands and technology rapidly evolves. Remember, Vinny's already moved through five years of innovation, an old-timer at 18. There's companies out there, that there's people out there that are motivated to help this condition. They're motivated to help the millions of people out there and that they're actually doing something, that they're using all these resources that they have. They're taking you know, consumer feedback and they're saying our, our sensor injections were, were tough to put in and they're actually caring about this. So what I look for is this, this progression and this tread line that just is going up. As we spoke, Vinny was preparing for study in Italy. He's a finance major with interest in international business. Listen to the quiet confidence in his voice as he looks ahead and describes a possible supporting role in driving forward investments in research and development to produce newer, better tools for diagnosing and managing diabetes. Tools for helping and coaching millions in the future. From what a sophomore knows uh, about investment banking, not too much, but um, there's a bunch of things that investment bankers do. It's just a huge responsibility, and it's one of the most direct business jobs in terms of influence that you can get. And tying um, diabetes to a profession um, in, a, in a business environment, doing something in healthcare, I feel like gives me a purpose and gives me an opportunity to really have some effect, and I feel like it would be great to be in a role like that. Thank you, Vinnie Maltese. Ciao and buona fortuna this semester in Italy. Vinny admitted he was less than sunny about his diagnosis at 13. During my conversation with endocrinologist Dr. Allison Myers, I suggested newly diagnosed people may experience depression. She corrected me. Diabetic distress is more accurate. 
And she said the best remedy for distress is informed action. If someone has diabetes, but they don't let it get to them, diabetes doesn't have to ruin their life. You can have a long, meaningful life where you have children, you can have a normal sex life, you don't lose your toes, you don't end up on dialysis or blind. You're gonna be okay, but it's a job. You know, it's, it's a job, but it doesn't stop you from doing anything that you could have done before. You know, baseball, so sports, you know, going out, hanging out with people, whatever the situation may be, it's gonna be okay. You just have to manage your disease properly and you'll do everything you've done before. Find information about diabetes, diagnosis, management, and innovation at northwell.edu. I'm David North. This is Health Story. Our program's technical director is Andre Doughty. Remember those statistics about the many millions of Americans confronting diabetes or soon to encounter its complications? Please listen to these insights from Dr. Phyllis Spicer. Dr. Spicer is chief of pediatric endocrinology at Cohen Children's Medical Center. Our conversation is next. Be well, look north at northwell.edu. Hi, I'm David North. While conducting interviews for this program, it was my good fortune to have a chance meeting with Dr. Phyllis Spicer, Chief of Pediatric Endocrinology for Cohen Children's Medical Center. I introduced myself and health story to Dr. Spicer, who agreed to discuss some of the medical, social, and cultural aspects of diabetes diagnosis and management. For example, Dr. Spicer cited a recent article in the New England Journal of Medicine on the subject of childhood obesity. According to the author, addressing this issue and issues of many chronic conditions is about 10 to 20 percent among patients and doctors, while more than 80 percent is other factors, including behavioral issues, legal issues, and insurance impediments, including coverage for mental health services. Here's some of our conversation. I think a lot of it is education. So, for instance, it's been shown in studies that uh, parents who are overweight or obese do not recognize these problems in their offspring. Um, Pediatricians or general practitioners, family practitioners are not spending enough time with patients to be able to give them nutrition counseling and to bring up these issues. It's the endocrinologist who has to convey the bad news that no, the child is not going to grow out of their obesity and that at the point where they're twice their ideal body weight, there's no simple solution. Please help me understand the the approaches in in diabetes management between the technological pumps and whatnot and biological, uh, biological interventions. Biological, technological, and other in which a large component is mental health. Uh, Yeah, it's all fronts. So, you know, ideally we'd like to have a cure. Since I've been in training, we've been promising, oh, it's down the road in five years. Um, Five years go by and it's still down the road in five years. So 
I mean, I've been doing this for over 30 years now, so it's not immediately accessible. So while we're waiting for a cell-based cure, ideally we would like to be able to turn stem cells into insulin-producing cells and fuse them into people for a permanent cure. That's not immediately available. Uh, so meanwhile, the other approach is to come up with the best possible pump that will infuse insulin. And in some cases, they're looking at glucagon, which is an ancillary hormone in managing blood glucose levels. Uh, at the same time, have a sensor attached to the person, which can gauge ambient glucose levels in the blood or subcutaneous tissue that will help automatically adjust the insulin infusion or the glucagon infusion. Um, so we're just getting to that point where these systems are beginning to be perfected and we have patients who are actually wearing these devices and improving their diabetes control. Uh, but I think there's still another element to this and this is the supratentorial element which means the person's behavior, the psychiatric aspects, the mental health aspects. Um, that are really beyond the reach of how you manage a person with a chronic disease. And this is what I was alluding to in part at the beginning by saying that um, we need to find ways of motivating people. Dr. Phyllis Spicer, Chief of Pediatric Endocrinology for Cohen Children's Medical Center. During our conversation, we also discussed cultural and social norms which may lead to obesity and possible complications of diabetes such as inactivity, and what Peggy Pelizzari calls portion distortion, and about any political pushback against sugary beverage bans or taxes. Dr. Spicer says such policies have demonstrable success without infringing on anyone's right to consume an unhealthy product. She says look to the success of anti-tobacco advocates. Dr. Spicer also reminded parents should be aware of the rights of children under provisions of the Americans with Disabilities Act as should international travelers who have diabetes. The ADA is a significant guarantee of civil rights for anyone concerned about diabetes. For Northwell Health, I'm David North.